Hey, welcome back to the podcast, Insanity, A Peace of Mind. As a promised update from last week about my logo, it was designed by Salty Annie Design. She's great to work with. She loves small businesses, and she would love to design your logo. You can email her at Salty Annie, that's S-A-L-T-Y-A-N-N-I-E.com. You can also check the show notes for all the important resources regarding today's podcast, including all of her information. So thanks for joining me and taking your time to listen. And speaking of listening, what are you doing right now while you are listening to this podcast? Are you running or exercising? You might be hiking or vacuuming, driving, cleaning. You could be cooking. You might even be watching Netflix. You could be talking to your coworker. How divided is your attention right now? How divided is your attention when you are supposedly, oh my gosh, supposedly. Did you know that dictionary.com has put the word supposedly as a real word in their online dictionary? Like poor pronunciation and it's made it into the dictionary. I'm actually horrified. Okay, anyway. How divided is your attention when you are supposedly listening to something or someone? If you're like me, I can answer that. Totally divided. Like if I were a pie and there were eight pieces of me, then only one tiny slice would be listening. And yet I have also learned to listen as I have spent more hours working as a therapist. When I am working, I can be focused on listening, hearing, reflecting, and validating. And when I'm working, I can also be distracted, focused on responding, or sometimes I can't think of anything to reflect, and validating sounds stupid and patronizing. I am capable of asking a direct question to one of my kids and then not listening to their responses and having to ask the question again, apologetically. I am capable of having my phone out during a conversation and texting someone while talking to the person across the counter from me. I just did it a few minutes before recording this podcast and a few minutes before that while my mom was over and a few days before that while I was sitting with one of my grandbabies on the potty being potty trained. As another side note, I work in an office where someone regularly goes into the bathroom either talking on their phone or listening to something or someone while they are in the bathroom. Now, that is serious divided attention. Personally, I also talk or listen while watching television. I regularly interrupt people. I frequently anticipate a topic change and jump in prematurely to get my point of view added. The poor listening habits I have go on and on and on. All of my family are guilty of this, We do it to each other and we do it together. We also all have times when we don't do it. We have jobs, professions, or relationships where and when our listening has to be better. What this means is that we are all capable of doing better. We just have to want to do better. I remember way back when one of my kids was young, she seemed to always be yelling and talking very loudly. One night at dinner, I asked, why are you always yelling? She calmly replied, 
because none of you ever listened to me. Many years later, this particular kid will raise her hand when she wants to be heard or when she wants to change the subject in a conversation. Now, that's some skill. I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that you all suffer from some defects in your listening as well. Listening is an art. If interested, we can find a ton about listening on the internet, in podcasts, blogs, and in books, all about listening. There's information about parents listening to their kids, books written about listening in the workplace, and on and on, marketing strategies discussed and written and blogged about, all about listening. I googled book titles and podcast titles, and here are just a few that I found. I have actually only read one of these, but they can all be found in bookstores and online if you're interested. The Lost Art of Listening, second edition. Just listen. Discover the secret to getting through to absolutely anyone. Listening, the forgotten skill, a self-teaching guide. How to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. Howard B. Wigglebottom learns to listen. The rabbit listened. See a pattern here? Lots of information. So a few months back, I had this internal dialogue with myself. I do this a lot. And it was about the difference between the words hear and listen. I was trying to figure out which one was more uh, important or more intentional. That's what it was. I was trying to figure out which one was more intentional. I talked to my husband about it. I remember writing about it in my planner. So I was trying to find what I wrote about it, thinking it would be a great addition to the podcast. So I spent like an hour thumbing through old planners and journals um, or planner slash journals that I had full of sticky notes trying to find this, this information I wrote down and I couldn't find it until I remembered that I actually put it in my journal. So I went through my journal and I found it and this was what it said. Listen slash hear. What's the difference between these two words? Hearing is the physiological act. Listening is the intention. That was it. That's all I had written. Now, the internal dialogue in my head was much more in-depth and and thoughtful than that was, but I did find that same concept substantiated by someone else on the internet when I found this explanation on a blog post. Hearing is merely picking up sound vibrations. Listening is making sense out of what we hear. That is, listening requires paying attention, interpreting, and remembering sound stimuli. There is a lot to unpack when you start talking about the value of being heard, respect, reconciling differences, addressing contentious or divisive topics, and how to show up for someone in communication and connection. All of these are intimately tied to the art of listening. So there are two basic types of listening, passive and active. In passive listening, you're like a sponge and you just absorb the you just absorb the information. Like a sponge, you will probably squeeze the wetness of the information out to make room for your next listening soak. Or alternatively, you just let the information dry up and you leave the sponge dry and crunchy and sour until next time. 
In contrast, active listening requires you to soak up the information, get inside the speaker's head, and really try to understand the communication from their point of view, not yours. In active listening, your job is to understand someone else without regard to what you think, what you feel, or what you believe. The goal is to demonstrate acceptance and validation for what is being conveyed. In active listening, you do not judge content. Also, as an active listener, you take responsibility for comprehension and completeness. You do whatever is necessary to get the full intended meaning from the speaker's communication. So, with that in mind, let's talk basic skills. Here are 10 things that you can do in any situation to become a better active listener. Number one, make eye contact. Usually, not always, but usually, this is indicative of the level of attention you are giving to whoever is talking to you. Number two, use nonverbal signals or small verbal signals to track the conversation. Facial expressions, head nodding, etc., are usually part of good listening. Or you can at least pretend to be a good listener by doing these things. But I don't suggest the pretending. Number three, avoid distracting actions or gestures. This can be looking at your phone, texting, shuffling papers, cleaning the kitchen. In our house, it's a lot of television watching. Um, it can be reading another book. Anything that doesn't give full attention. When you do all of these other things, you're sending the message to the person you're listening to that they're boring or uninteresting and that whatever it is you're doing is more important than they are. Okay, so number four through 10 are really important because if all if we all do better with these, we might not be so horrid and hypocritical towards one another in our differences. Maybe, just maybe, we could undermine the divisiveness, the polarization, and the tendency we have to find fault and take offense in everything. I personally am a bit weary of being afraid to address certain topics with certain people or engage in larger conversations about important issues such as social justice, politics, religion, mental health, education, etc. Even the people who are trying to bridge gaps are still missing key components of being active listeners. So number four, ask questions. This is big because besides just being a good skill and showing that you're engaged in what the person is saying, it also helps you clarify the point that someone is trying to get across. Asking questions broadens your understanding of a topic. Listening is the only way any of us can learn anything new. If we aren't willing to ask questions, especially when we're flooded or triggered, we are doing nothing to come to a new understanding or to close the gaps in our differing opinions or varied beliefs. Number five, paraphrase. This helps verify the accuracy of your understanding. Are you comprehending what the speaker is trying to say? Restate it in your words. Say something like, am I understanding this correctly? Or is this what you mean? 
Questions like this allow for dialogue, and hopefully dialogue without fear. It also increases vulnerability and empathy, all really good things for better communication through listening. Number six, avoid interrupting the speaker. This is the behavioral component of listening to understand and not to respond. If you interrupt, it is likely because you are only interested in what you have to say and how it can better inform your narrative. Don't second guess, don't one up, don't cut off, and don't act like a know-it-all. If you are engaged in active listening, you will know when the speaker is finished, and then it's your turn. Number seven, do not over-talk. I think we do this because we don't actually want to learn to any we don't actually want to learn anything new. Depending on the subject or the circumstance, we don't want to have to change. If I can overpower the speaker with my own words, then I don't have to learn anything. I don't have to value their opinion. I don't have to hear them talk about something I disagree with. I will never have to change. I won't ever be wrong about something, and I won't ever have to learn a new, I, I, my opinion never has to be changed. And if none of the things about over-talking apply to you, just remember that over-talking is just rude. It's just rude. Number eight, make smooth transitions between the roles of speaker and listener. Presumably, in a conversation, you will be both. Fairly regularly, I notice that the transition between speaker and listener shows that one of us is not actually paying attention, or what they want to say is so much more important that it's not even on topic. The transition sentence often has nothing to do with what was being said. This likely means that the listener was just waiting to jump in and make the conversation about them. Again, I have noticed this even when the people I'm communicating with are supposedly trying to make peace or trying to understand my point of view. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's what they're doing. They are playing a role, being nice, and waiting to make their point to show that I am wrong and to tell me why I am wrong. If that is your response when you shift from listener to speaker, then you are not listening to understand. You were listening to respond. Number nine, be present. Active listening means paying attention to body language, tone, and verbal content. This requires you to quiet the chaos. Your chattering mind, your restless body, your emotional sensitivities, and your squawking fears. Being aware and present allows you to intimately attune to the listener. Number 10, listen with an open mind. Your job is to understand the speaker's point of view, even if you don't agree. Avoid forming opinions and making judgments until you fully understand their perspective. This concept is a purposeful repeat on my part because it is so important and we hardly ever care about other people's perspectives. This not caring about other people's perspectives leads me to another aspect on the topic of listening, 
and it has been labeled predatory listening by a guy named Oren J. Sofer. Right now in 2021, in my mind, this is where the rubber meets the road as it relates to communication and relationships. We have ceased to listen to connect and we now listen to attack. I know I'm speaking in broad brush terms and over generalizations, but it is to make a point. So let's say someone asks you for an opinion. It could be about politics, religion, social issues, whatever. You give the opinion and their response to you is an attack on your wrong-headed ideas, your foolish notions. They tell you you're prudish and ignorant. And ultimately, they're attacking your character. It feels like a planned strike, as if they were laying in wait. Does this sound familiar? Or maybe you are the perpetrator of this predatory practice. I'm assuming we've all done this at some point, especially when we feel passionate, justified, insecure, emotional, vulnerable, or just plain right. Predatory listening is a bunch of stuff. It includes fault finding, a narrow focus, antagonizing for the purpose of offending, and evidence gathering for rebuttals. It can be motivated by politics, social justice, religion, business, personal or intimate relationships. It doesn't matter whether it's self-righteousness, virtue signaling, inequality, or dogmatism. The characteristics are the same. It's mental fixation and emotional volatility. The needs of the listener to assert confrontational views and the intense desire to be right combine to overshadow the important values of compassion, empathy, understanding, healing, trust, and connection. So what's a body to do? If this is happening to me, my first thing is to recognize that I can only address it in myself. I need to slow my roll. If I am listening to besiege someone with my better argument, then I need to ask myself, what am I trying to accomplish? Is this persuasion? Is it to change behavior? To transform understanding? If so, I need to switch from offense to being curious in order to increase safety and trust for the other person. If I'm the one observing this behavior in others, the first thing I'm not going to do is call it out because arguing only makes things worse. It just feeds an already ignited fire. At this point, it's not about who's right or wrong. It's about people and relationships. I would rather save the relationship than be right. What is going on underneath the conversation? We just want to be seen, heard, valued, and validated. So what are the values that the person you're talking to is trying to share? What are their vulnerabilities? What are they trying to expose or what are they trying to hide? You could find out by asking more questions. Invite them to share and then listen for what's important to them and look hard for the positive. Act from your wise mind and say something like, I believe you have a strong opinion about this. What would you like me to understand? Or you could say, what could I do to help increase my knowledge of this important topic? 
some kind of gentle approach might open up more dialogue or alternatively end the conversation. Either one is better than being afraid to have the conversations or ruining relationships as opposed to this predatory listening tactic and our cultural polarization. Last week at work, one of my coworkers presented a five-minute skill instruction and read the children's book, The Rabbit Listened. It was a wonderful reminder of how important it is to just be there, ready to listen to someone who needs only that. Someone who will listen. Not someone who's going to fix it. Not someone who's going to respond with pithy comments. They don't need someone to problem solve and they don't want anybody to change their minds. There is a ton of information written about how to listen as a therapist because listening is pretty much the nuts and bolts of therapy. As I thought about this, I had an epiphany. If listening, good, active listening, is the nuts and bolts of therapy, then it really should be the nuts and bolts of my life. When I go to work in the morning, I know I have to show up and listen. So I realize that I have to mentally prepare myself. I have to remove all the distractions, be very, very patient, avoid personal bias, and listen for ideas, not just words. I attempt to do this day after day, hour after hour. I went to school for this. What I did not go to school for was to learn how to be a good listening parent or friend or partner. I need to go to school on this part of my listening life. I never learned to listen and overcome the urge to fix. I don't ever remember anyone telling me how to just let someone be sad, angry, frustrated, or peeved while I just sit and listen. I never had a teacher tell me not to create meaning from someone else's words as I did so well so that I could enshrine myself into the mummy martyrdom hall of fame. I never took a class on how to listen without getting defensive. At this point, I have to care enough about myself and about my people to figure this stuff out. Defensive listening is when we are set off by what someone has said to us. Perhaps they're complaining, calling us out, identifying a weakness or criticizing our behavior. Maybe they're trying to correct a misunderstanding and all we want to do is tell them they're wrong. They've misapprehended the situation. We want to tell them that we didn't do that, that they were wrong. Maybe their criticism is valid. Maybe their conversation needs to be heard. But maybe they don't understand that you have a childhood experience or a big or little trauma that makes what they're saying extra, extra hurtful. So let's assume the speaker is doing everything right. And they're calling me out. And I deserve it. And I'm still in a tiff. I am still emotionally flooding and responding defensively. What is my responsibility at this moment? The one who is, quote, being attacked, unquote, or the one who is, quote, being criticized, unquote. My responsibility is to self-soothe. Self-soothing improves stability between two people having a difficult conversation. It improves connection and increases affection. 
So here are a few self-soothing strategies. I'm actually pretty good at most of these. So for a particularly sticky and difficult conversation, you can write down everything your partner is saying and how it is making you feel defensive. This provides a record to help reflect back in the conversation when it's your turn to speak. It's kind of cumbersome. It may not be a good thing to do on the fly, but if you are regularly having a difficult conversation, this is probably a good one to try. I do not do this one. The next one is to remember that you love this person you are in communication with. Focus on the affection you have for this person. Remember how they have supported or loved you. This is your child, your parent, your partner, your friend. Things may not be great right at this moment. You may be feeling attacked and unduly criticized, but they are on your side. This one I am pretty good at. I can usually step back and say, this is for my own good. This is for my own good. This is for my own good. The next one is to just slow down and breathe. It is okay to take time to do this, even if the conversation is supercharged. And you can just say, hey, I'm taking a few deep breaths. I sometimes do this, but not intentionally. It just happens that way. The next one is to embrace your emotions. Ask yourself what is going on in your interpretation of their language. How are you overlaying meaning on what they're saying to make it much worse and allow you to take offense? You are reacting this way for a reason. You need to know what it means or says about you, your perspective, your experiences, or your history. I am pretty good at doing this one too. I'm pretty good at taking whatever comes at me and trying really hard to internalize it in an effort to make things better, which does not mean I don't also have some unpleasant language going on underneath the surface. Okay, the next one is to not take complaints personally. The complaint is usually about the needs of the speaker, not you. If you're getting defensive, what are you trying to protect? What, what are you invested in? What's, what's the pride all about? Because it's usually about pride or embarrassment. Well, it's usually about pride or embarrassment for me. I, that may be something different for you. The next thing is to ask for a reframe. This means you can have the person reword the complaint, suggestion, or need. Uh, one of the skills that I've been teaching a lot of clients this week is the soft startup skill. Um, I'm just throwing this in here now because it seems like a good place. So the soft startup skill is where you say, I feel, and then you've got a bunch of feeling words you can use. And then you tell the person that you feel a certain way about what, and then you explain the situation so that they know that you're feeling frustrated about a certain thing. And then you follow it up with this very important part of I need. So it's all about you. It's all about asking for needs. It's all about communication. 
and allowing your partner or whoever's in part of this conversation to listen and hear what you're saying. I'm not sure that was the greatest part to the greatest uh, point at which to input that information, but it has been so powerful this week for a lot of my clients that I think it's useful for everybody. And if you are the one who is asked to reframe, it's a good skill. So again, I feel about and I need. That's your reframe. Okay. Um, I am just actually learning to implement this one. I'm throwing it around like candy, but I haven't quite learned the skill of implementing it yet. So, okay. The next one is to go ahead and press pause. If you both agree to resume this conversation sooner rather than later, then about 20 minutes is the optimal time for a break. During the break, focus on the positive in the relationship and do something productive. You can go for a walk, listen to music, make a meal, but try not to stew and try not to make stew at your meal. Huh, whatever. Um, don't ruminate. Don't foment. Don't gather ammunition. Just you're taking a pause. So make it a full, real pause. Uh, I don't do this one. I'm a, yeah, I'm not a pauser. I need to be. This is one I need to work on. Okay, so that's a lot of information. And these are hard skills. And they take a lot of work. And many of them I do in my jobs. And I don't do as many of them in my personal life. And I need to be better. And I am going to be better. I do not like to play the role of the hypocrite. So in my personal life, as it relates to active listening, better connection, better communication, I am setting these goals in front of all of you. I am not going to interrupt. I will give someone I love my full attention and avoid distracting gestures. And lastly, I will reach out to you, my listeners, and listen. Ernest Hemingway said, I like to listen. I have learned a great deal from listening carefully. Most people never listen. What are you going to do this week to listen? Thanks for being here and hearing and listening. Have a great week. 